post-COVID, everything is terrible society going for you. It is not post-COVID around here, man. I have so <laughs> many friends that are sick right now. Well, it's oh, just God. So many, but I have like a few friends that have gotten sick, but mostly it's like the little kids that can't get vaccinated that oh, I'm so scary. Getting, getting really sick and it's really scary. So I'm going to just throw out my whole please get vaccinated request anyhow. Yeah. Please, please, please. And wear a mask, but definitely please just get vaccinated. Good Lord. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just did four nights. In, I was just on tour with a friend's band. I did four nights in New York at this inside venue. It was like 3,000 people a night sold out. And we got COVID tested each day afterwards. And I was frankly fucking shocked that none of us had COVID. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, also, I now have... Um, what I like to call mask knee, which is just, uh, you know, a teenage level of acne from wearing a mask all the time when it's hot and sweaty. I know what it is. I know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so today we have uh, a very special guest all the way from the land of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Kiwi, Kiwi heritage. We've got Aaron Hogg today. Um, Aaron Go ahead, Lacey, take it. Let's say Aaron is responsible for the look of all things Kona, basically. Um, he's our graphics and color guru. He is the creative genius behind a lot of things that we do. And outside of work, he's a pure badass shredder on guitar, on his bike. Um, he's, in an ama- he's in an amazing band called Thunderwolf and it's like sometimes I miss the days of like good proper rock and roll and then you listen to those guys and you're like oh yeah it's still there like they shred so hard so that's yeah we definitely sorry we talk a lot about music um and there if you go to the Kona Bikes Spotify account you will find uh, a playlist of Aaron's music on there and I encourage you to check it out because it's rad. It made me want to go and slam my bike into things intentionally, which is just how I ride, but also uh, maybe with more gusto. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, the first time I heard his band play, I was like, jaw hit the floor. It's really good. Um, and it's cool to see talent ooze out of somebody that you just know from a casual work level. And then you understand how much more depth there is to a person after that when you, when you get to experience them like that. So Aaron is amazing. Um, he's also a diehard dedicated trail builder too. Um, so he's putting a lot of creative works into the world with music, with trail. Um, and he's fun. He's like, I don't know. I have an affinity for, (laughs) for slightly grumpy people sometimes. (laughs) Well, it's funny. You warned me that he would be grumpy and this could be a hard talk. And I kind of went into it like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, make this happen maybe i'll do a lot of the talking but then man right from the get-go we start off with music and the fact that he was in a touring band and talk about the fact that i had just gotten back from being on tour with a band and from that moment on i just kind of like sat back and he went that guy's a chatter it was rad yeah this is probably my favorite podcast we've done so far that's just it is that like i feel like i had all these preconceived notions of him being a certain way but he's just not he's just awesome to talk with he's very interesting he's got lots of great things to say and has lots of really cool experiences and and I 
love like I'll be walking through the store and see a beer can that has really cool colors on it and I'll just take a picture and send it to Aaron and be like let's make a bike that looks like this and it's not that (laughs) that's not how we make bikes but it certainly does go into consideration of like oh yeah these colors work and so he takes the (laughs) colors and then he puts it through his whole process of is this a trending color is this unique color is it possible to paint bikes like this and so it's it's a really cool um he just has a really interesting job, I think, and he does a phenomenal he does a phenomenal job with his job too. We get the, you know it's interesting. We get we do a bit of talking about the design process on a bike um, in a non geeky way, and I've talked to a lot of designers in my day, and you can get in the weeds with them when they start going off on like weird fonts and like that's cool if that's your thing, but if it's not, you're just gonna like zone out and um you know wander off. And he kept it concise and it's actually really intriguing to learn about the the like you know ingredients to finish product design process of a bike especially one like the process um i think i make that pun multiple times um in the podcast but this is a good one i'm super stoked on it and uh i hope everyone's ready for a wild ride yeah enjoy aaron amazing i'm incredibly jealous uh yeah yeah well we're 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 currently we're in our second kind of lockdown uh just because we had a little delta outbreak um but miraculously I, i honestly just have no idea how we've managed to avoid um having any cases any community cases in the south island so i live in the south island um and our other graphic designer uh, Brendan also lives in the same city I do, which is Christchurch, oh, in the middle of nice. uh, middle of the South Island there. And then Caleb, who is the social media guy, lives in Wellington, which is um, our capital city. It's in the North Island. Um, but what they've actually done is because we've had virtually no um, spread of the of this wave, um, Auckland um is currently at level four which is for us is a full full bore kind of lockdown and we we have just shifted to level three which means that um we can there's a whole bunch of different stuff you can do now The, the the most um notable one is that people can now get takeaway food so uh yeah so yesterday it was hilarious there were all these pictures of um queues around the block for <laughs> McDonald's drive throughs and KFC and all this kind of crazy <laughs> stuff. But um no yeah. we're we're really lucky. We'll be I mean I'm guessing we'll be back to um regular kind of business um in about a week or so. Um so wow. yeah we've we're we've managed to you know kind of like get rid of this pretty quick which is good and luckily we must be nice to live in a country that takes proper precautions in response with public health yeah well i mean it's so funny i was talking to eddie about this today we're kind of i mean we're we're sort of getting well the government is getting bashed a little bit uh by say uh you know the aussies are particularly kind of like you know weighing in at the moment because a lot of their um premiers have adopted this sort of 
I mean, you know, as soon as Delta hit um, and, it, and it got out of control, I mean, a couple of the states over there, it, it's gone really bad, you know, and yeah. like particularly New South Wales, it's 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 bad. And they've they've always adopted more of a um, a slow approach and and I guess a kind of approach where they just deal with you know the the collateral damage from it. Um, whereas we have, we have gone every like each time it's sort of hit here we've gone super 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 hard. So you get a bit of kind of pushback from some people about some of the measures because it's you know it's it's pretty full on it's like straight up to kind of you know businesses everything's sharp there's no deliveries you know like you can get essential goods um go to supermarkets but it's all masks and social distancing and all that kind of stuff and i mean i think you know like when you when you kind of look at it um as well as objectively as you can. Um, I, I definitely think it's the right approach. I mean, we've been, we've managed to, I mean, effectively spend none of the time that that everyone else around the world has spent in in lockdown, and we've had a total of something like I think twenty five or or twenty six deaths in total. And um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I, it's, I mean, it's a grim thing to laugh about, but like we've had more than that in the town that I live in. in, in oh, America. good. No, it's, 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 I mean, it's, no, I mean, like, it's straight insane. So, like, I, 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 I'm, I'm particularly um, grateful for the sort of the way that our um, leadership has sort of has handled this. And um, you know, I, I, like, my mother's got um, multiple myeloma, so she has like basically no immune system at all. So I've got this kind of you know, I've kind of got skin in the game in some sense because I, I, I just know that if she got it, it'd basically be game over kind of thing. So I'm particularly, you know, um, up for the getting the vaccination going and taking whatever care you can to sort of, you know, approach it in a science-based way. And um, yeah, yeah. So no, it's kind well, of interesting. Well, it makes sense because you know, if you if you hit hard in the beginning then it doesn't last as long and you don't wind up in a situation like we're out in the states here where it's just like another hundred thousand people dying people are like yeah you know it's it's fine gotta get the economy going and you're like yeah i don't know oh i mean it's crazy <laughs> and, and uh, i mean who like i definitely i understand that you know for like a lot of people talk about with the delta variant the inevitability of it getting into a community and you know obviously there's amazing benefits to being vaccinated from the standpoint of the symptoms you you know you you're far less likely to pass it on and um and and i like i get that probably we're going to wind up in a situation where as a you know the international community is going to it's likely that we're going to end up having to just deal with variations of this virus forever you know and and it'll oh, yeah. it'll boost the shots and all that kind of carry on but like i definitely am am, am pleased that a we haven't had to suffer under <clears throat> you know just months and months and months and months of of lockdowns like um you know in melbourne my sister lives in melbourne and it's it's actually just it, it it's nuts like how long those guys have been locked down and i mean that's when i do 
do think you, you actually do start getting this impacts at mental health and you know obviously oh, for sure economies that, that that get ruined and small businesses suffer really badly and um you know so i'm super grateful for the fact that we haven't had to have any of that you know like i mean it's literally been two short periods of lockdown that we've had pretty much and and then and then obviously the other thing is you know the 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 amount of death and you know sort of like people getting like having long covid and you know effectively having symptoms for months or forever who knows you know and yeah so i mean we're lucky <laughs> I, I just I, I'm, I'm i'm definitely pretty stoked yeah it's funny i have a bunch of friends uh, <clears throat> i mean probably a dozen friends who are like have arrived at this long goal of like oh well i'm moving to new zealand <laughs> like so many people i know are like yeah we're just you know my goal now is to uh move to new zealand and i'm like i mean apparently it's quite hard to do um yeah i think it's, i think it's gotten a bit harder like um i mean for the longest time we were sort of just taking like anyone we could get and and particularly because we um you know we we had this real like this big um requirement for um people from overseas who are trained better just to uh, cope with, uh, you know, when we had the earthquakes and, um, you know, our city got kind of pretty much destroyed. And, um, you know, like, so so we, there's there's a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of um, people from, have come from overseas just to sort of fill those, um, you know, those skill spaces that we you know we needed for people to rebuild the city but um i think it, i think it's definitely gotten a bit harder now to 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 get spots here <laughs> yeah i think it's it sounds like it's expensive and to be fair the majority of my friends who were doing it like their job description is either like surf photographer or like um nah. you know rock star so like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah 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 oh that's uh, funny um, yeah, I mean, it's a nice place to live. It, you know, there's definitely, um, I mean, there's some disadvantages, I guess, to the to the remoteness of it. Um, just from the standpoint of travel, you know, like it's it's obviously expensive to travel from here. And and actually, funnily enough, like I didn't really realize this until I started traveling a lot for Kona. Um, but it's quite pricey to live here and you know like it's funny when you when i go to when i come over to north america and i'm i'm like man this uh, the sort of just certain things are way cheaper you know and um you sort of don't really notice it until you do a bit of travel but um generally it's 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 a it's a nice place to live and yeah it must be really expensive to get bike shipped to you I know what it costs. So I live in Massachusetts, which is the opposite side of the country from Kona. And I know what it costs to ship a bike to me from Washington. I can imagine what it is to get it shipped to New Zealand. It's like the cost yes. of the bike. What I used to do, what I'd what I always used to do was I'd I'd um we we have these twice yearly uh, graphics meetings. Um at, well we did, you know, up until a couple of years ago. And um I would often um, pick a bike up when I was there and then just kind of, you know, you sort of, you ride it around a bit so the wheels get dirty and um, you know, <laughs> sneak it through, sneak it through the, the customs there. And um, 
and that was always kind of good. And we, what we sort of tend to have to do now is we um, we'll kind of get our bikes shipped with um, you know the 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 Kona shops here their cans, um, and and so I mean often there's not much um, in the way of um, freight cost, but then the the cut the couple of times that I've done it outside of that, like I. I I got a downhill bike one time and I wanted it at a particular time and I got it shipped specially and my God, like it added, yeah, like it must have been, um, it ended up being nearly 1500 bucks or something for the price. And <laughs> but it was, just it, it was, it was an experiment I only did once. That's for sure. <laughs> it was, it was it. Yeah. So um, it's interesting that so many of the Kona like especially the Kona visual team, like graphics and photography, you're based in New Zealand. How did that come about? Um, well, I mean, it, it's I, I I guess like I I was the first employee from New Zealand, and it was a sort of an unusual kind of roundabout sort of way that I got um, ended up getting the work, and so I. I was doing a bunch of um, graphics, sort of like overflow work for a mate of mine, um, Andrew Fairclough, who who owns a, has a design studio or sort of operates under the um, um, name Kindred Design, and he he used to do all the clothing graphics for Kona um, back in the day, along with. Um, a whole bunch of uh, sort of like snowboard apparel stuff for a Vancouver-based company called West Beach Clothing. I don't know if they're still oh, yeah. around it. Um, and anyway, he so he was he was sort of juggling that, like the West Beach stuff, Kona, and then he also um, did work for this company in San Diego called The Machine, um, who. Uh, you know, sort of like an agency that specialized specializes in snowboard uh, graphics. And so I was doing, I'd managed to pick up a bunch of overflow work from him doing, you know, like a bit of clothing graphics, some snowboards, so on and so forth. And then at a certain point, he wanted to commit a little bit more time to um, the snow sport stuff. Uh, so he pretty much handed off all the... Um, all the Kona clothing to me. Um, and so I um, I tackled a couple of ranges um, just as a freelancer um, and then basically got hit up by Eddie, who's my current production manager, um, to, to tackle doing, uh, at the time it was the, th there were three sort of team edition bikes. Um, there was mm -hmm. a, Fabian Burrell, uh, Paul Basagoshia, and a John Cowan team edition bike that need bikes that needed to be done. And so I I had a crack at those. And um, I mean, although God, I look back on them now, they are so bad. But like, um, <laughs> I, it, was, it, it was it was a different time. And and I'd sort of I'd, I'd come from this background of doing. Like I was doing a lot of snowboard graphics at the time, which is obviously you know the 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 surface area for a snowboard is massive, and it's you know like yeah big wide space, and you've got you, you know you can really kind of go deep on the illustrative stuff. So it's, I mean it's way closer really like to to clothing graphics than bikes. Sure. 
And so, you know, I'd been, I, I, I'd also spent the last maybe five years working almost solely on streetwear and clothing stuff, you know. So, like, I was used to these big open canvases. And and then, you know, I got... Plus, snowboards with... are like skateboards where it's like the graphic is so... I mean, the graphic almost overtakes the entire product. The graphic is... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's it's it, you know really detailed and you know a lot a lot well i mean they can be really detailed and 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 there's a lot to them you know so so anyway I, like i all of a sudden was like hit with you know do you know designing for on tubes and it was like holy crap you know so <laughs> it, it, it it took a while to kind of get used to that um you know that type of design and the minimalism required to to sort of to to sort of execute that stuff in, in a in a aesthetically pleasing way and um so yeah I I, I mean I, I I took on those uh, bikes as a as a freelancer and then pretty much just transitioned you know from there into doing more bikes um and and then eventually sort of took, started taking on all of the bikes and um. At a at a point, I can't remember how long. It might have been two, maybe three years after sort of doing that. I I um I moved over to Vancouver for uh, a year and a bit to work in the, to get a bit of an ex, uh, of experience working in the you know the the office there in Vancouver, and um that was that was great. Like I loved it over there, and um but but you know I dragged my family over, and they sort of they they, they dug it, but um eventually sort of got a bit homesick and so we we decided to head back to head back to New Zealand and um you know I mean I've I've managed to to maintain doing the work remotely from here I mean it's you know obviously it's a it's a far more common thing these days and um I mean particularly with the with this pandemic I think people have realized that a it's possible to work from home and and be the the pros for doing it are, are pretty big, I think, you know, myself. and Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, that's kind of how I got my foot in the door and sort of started working for Kona and um, and then um, Caleb uh, was actually someone I suggested um, to Eddie when uh, uh, the, the role came up. Um, and then with Brendan, who's a new um, addition. Um, I mean, he'd, he'd worked previously for Norco, so we we sort of, he's a sort of a mate of Caleb, so um, that was sort of something that when one of the graphic designers decided to move on, we sort of thought, you know, Brendan would be a, would be a great fit, you know, like he's kind of had a lot of experience in the bike industry and um, is, a, is a talented, designer so um yeah i mean it was just kind of that was the way that we all kind of ended up working for so you, it seems like like you i mean you just alluded to the fact like designing bike graphics is so different you know than yeah. than snowboards or streetwear or anything mm. how does it how does it like can you explain the process like from the ground up um it's almost a pun just the process but can you explain the process of like how a graphic designer approaches doing the design for a bike. I mean, it's more than just picking a colorway, obviously. 
Yeah. How do you approach it as a canvas? Well, I mean, it's super tough. Like I've, I've definitely, it's taken me a lot of, a lot of time, a, a lot of years to kind of slowly kind of hone the, I mean, it's, it's funny. It's, I guess it's, it, it, it's just an exercise in restraint, you know, um, <laughs> we we sort of um i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of um there's a lot of type research because you know like generally with a bike um the design te- the, the the design tends to be you know uh a lot of a lot of negative space and then little clusters of often functional typography mixed with you know maybe some very 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 paired back graphic shapes you know and um there's a lot of kind of you you've you've really got to kind of spend a a lot of time sort of working out sizes of things and you know making sure that the things you're developing aren't too kind of complex and um I mean, particularly over the last, I would say, seven to eight years, things have gotten steadily more and more and more minimalistic, um, down to the point now that, you know, like if you kind of, like, like for instance, if I'm kind of prepping to do some graphics for the, um, you know, like, say, the mountain bikes, and um, I generally will start with the process models um, because a lot of what we design for those then sort of trickles down into other bikes like Honzo's and the e-bikes. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, like if I'm doing, if I'm doing a sort of a, you know, hunt for references and like, like, I, like I'll, I'll collect references from every, everywhere from like, you know, uh, you know, mu- the like mu- music and um, art, um, other sort of uh, cleaner types of design, like packaging and so on and so forth. Where you know, obviously, there's a lot, there's, there's spaces that are premium, and there's um, there's a sort of a, a lot of uh, functional typography. Um, but yeah, particularly over the last sort of eight or so years, like when you're collecting up references from competitors or, you know, like say for instance, back when we were, when I used to be able to, you know, travel to Eurobike and kind of do a bit of sort of hunting around there and you'd be looking at these kind of little boutique brands doing stuff. I mean, across the board, things have got more and more and more minimal to the point now, you know, like a, a, a lot of bikes that are competitors' versions of, you know, say the process line, um, you'll look at a side-facing bike image and, you you know, there's virtually no branding at all. You can, you, you know, like you might, in some cases they'll have, you know, a word mark on the downshoot, but often it's almost like total stealth from the side, you know, and you have to kind of almost look around for the the branding so i mean it it really is kind of um an exercise in minimalism and um we tend to be relatively conservative with the um the evolution of bike graphics so um you know on the odd occasion we'll make a we'll make a really dramatic change to the way uh 
bike graphics may look, but it tends to be when a new bike is, you know, when the the product group produce a new bike, will often, you know, make some pretty radical changes at that point. Um, but other than that, it's a kind of a it's a sort of a slow evolution and 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 yeah, a real exercise in minimalism. Um, so you must be doing it all on a computer, obviously. Um, not being in Vancouver or in Bellingham and not yeah. having, you know, access to like a bunch of frame pieces. Do you just create like a 3D model in the computer and then wrap graphics from there? How does that work? No, so what what the the way that we interface with it's it, I mean it, that that is definitely the one thing that I would say is the the biggest disadvantage to um the remote working and you know like in the past I've I've really relied on my trips to Taiwan which I you know would tend to do a couple of times a year um just to to visit factories and to QC the graphics process and um, at certain points we'd you know like sometimes we'll we'll get there and it'll be the first time we've really seen you know what the frame is going to look like um but but what I have to do is rely on the um like dwg files from the engineers so we'll get them to output um you know, DWGs with multiple views of the frames so that you get an idea for the tube thicknesses and the and the, and the profiles of tubes and sort of available surfaces for um for graphics and um and then we 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 sort of utilize all of that at the front end of the process so when we're designing the graphics and then obviously all of that stuff gets used again when we have completed the graphics and and gone through the color process and and we're outputting art files for the factories so it's sort of a little bit i mean that that part is a little bit that's a challenge because particularly because you know the dwg files are great they look you know that it's a it's a very accurate way of um being able to assess those shapes um, and you know, it's great for things like like sizing and um, you know, altering graphics depending on the the size of a frame. Um, but you do, you know, like it's not always one hundred percent accurate, you know. And so, like um, some of the fillets and 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 lines that you'll see on a DWG when you actually see the real frame, you're like, oh, okay, so that. <laughs> But that contour line wasn't nearly as pronounced as I thought it was, or you know, sometimes it's the opposite. Oh, that contour line is way more pronounced than I thought it was going to be, and you know, and you you sort of you realise like, oh, you know, that could have you know maybe been approached slightly differently. But that's how we have to approach it, and we 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 you know, I, I've been looking around for years for some sort of quick and easy way. For us to take those DWG files to bring them into something like I don't know, some like Blender or something that's a little bit less like heavy duty that we could use to apply our art and then kind of do you know the, the full rotation. I'm sure it's out there, but we just haven't found it. <laughs> you know, I or I just haven't yeah. found it yet. Um, of 
of all the current bikes, uh, so the 2022, 2022, sorry, I keep getting confused as to what year it is because the past yeah, year was a non-year. But of all the 2022 bikes that are out there, um, what is yeah. your, do you have a personal favorite from a graphic standpoint? Uh, I'm just going to have a quick look now because it's always so. Um, I mean, it, 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 it's kind of, a, it's a funny question for the, that one for me because I'm sort of biased towards the bikes that I kind of tend to ride. Um, I, I mean, I'm a fan of what we did for the um, for the process line. Um, I, I'm particularly stoked that that I managed to sneak back in um, the typography um, that we've used for the uh, for the model names for that, which is just this, you know, like it's a it's a super tightly kerned avant garde, um, and and. The reason I sort of dig that is because from back in the day, my my favorite <laughs> art style that we managed to kind of get through was this really, really, really sort of pared back, simple um, use of that avant-garde font. And we ran it for a couple of years on bikes like the Entourage and the Bass. And um, actually, even I think we even ran it on the Paddy Wagon back in the day. And oh. I like, like, like I loved it. Like for me, it was one of my favorite bits of design I ever got to do. And it was, you know, it was super, 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 super simple, but um, really cool. But it was not super popular at the time. Like I think we only ran that for a couple of years and we got a lot of kind of grief from people for it because it, You're was, ahead too, of your time on that. it was considered yeah. too simple. And I mean, bike graphic art back then was definitely a lot more kind of out there um yeah. and, and a, lot, a lot busier so uh I, like i'm really pleased that i've managed to sneak that one back in which is cool i i actually really like the way the honzo esd came out um and that was a <clears throat> that was a really um excellent example of when the workflow involves us collaborating conceptually with the product guys so um <clears throat> that was one of the ones that ian um schmidt and i kind of did a lot of back and forth on and um it's always really nice when you get that uh that buy-in from the product managers on or or even direction from the product managers on what they want to see um because that do you mean as I mean, far as like what they're going to spec on the product as well too so like you know there's going to be like the full profile of the build bike as opposed to just the frame no no i mean it's more for, for me with that stuff so the two notable examples where recently i've collabed with ian have been on the honzo esd um where you know like he went as far as actually giving me a like it like like a, a a collection of you know like a like almost like a mood board you know where oh, wow. he had this whole kind of idea about how he wanted the bike to what he wanted it to be like the the this how he wanted it to look the sort of the kinds of things i should be looking at to get inspiration from um and you know like i mean with that that one we really uh wanted to do something that was so, so, sort of broke away from the conventions of the uh, our sort of um 
our kind of normal, uh, you know, corporate type hierarchies. And, you know, we wanted to do something kind of really different. And so it was a, it was actually a very, it was probably closer to the way that I used to design bikes back in the day, like where I, when I came in without any sort of real preconceived um, ideas and was treating it more illustratively. But I think that we did a good job of kind of balancing the, uh, you know, the minimalism required to for, for a bike. And so I guess I, I kind of got to be a bit, it was a bit freer, but also, you know, I, I, I managed to apply that the sort of sensible side of things, which I, I was kind of pleased about. Um, and then um, I'm just I'm still looking through. I mean, That's, I kind of the Hanzo's really interesting to me because I think of all the Kona. I mean, the process is amazing, but the Hanzo feels like a modern classic in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, and it's such a. I mean, it, let's be honest, it is a classic bike. Like I think that's a bike yeah. that you know, 15 years from now, people are like, oh, the fucking Hanzo. Like that bike was rad or is rad. Like it's got such, such a classic mountain bike feel to it. Um, yeah, I think- yeah. Well, I, like I actually, I wish I could still ride. I, like I rode, I had Honzo for the longest time, but my back is just, it just, <laughs> I'm just so soft and old now. Like um, <laughs> I, 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 I used to, it was sort of a point of pride. Like I used to kind of ride with all my buddies on their jewelies and, you know, um, I'd be I'd be able to tackle everything just the same and sort of hang with them on my hardtail. But like, man, I I I suffer now. I ride a hardtail. I love them, but yeah, I'm just no. Too... I can I can totally relate. Oh. I grew up, um, and then I'm, I'm 46. So like, I mean, obviously there were only hardtails for a while, but then I held out on the full suspension for a long time. I was like, I'm just gonna ride bigger tires, and I can still get just as rad. But yeah. Between that and like years of skateboarding, my knees were like, "Yeah, this isn't how this works anymore." Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I mean for me, it's bit for me the tra- like I think trail building's really kind of it's definitely taken its toll on my body. But um, but yeah, no, no, no. I agree. I think I think I think those bikes are um, you know, are classics and 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 up that part of what I feel has kind of been a bit of a resurgence for Kona in a lot of ways or or, or sort of like I, I suppose it's more almost like that people you know um take the brand more seriously now th- than possibly years earlier when I you know there were periods of time when I when I worked for Kona where it was like you know people would just talk about the the, the stinky days you know and yeah. um it was almost as though you know that was all past, but I, but I mean, I think a lot, you know, Honzo's are along with the process bikes, you know, like the first sort of, of the new kind of era of Kona that, um, yeah, I think is just, is taken a bit more seriously and, 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 you know, um, a bit are a bit more respected, you know, which I think is great. So what, how long have you worked for Kona? Uh, I think I think I'm up to year fifteen, maybe or fourteen, oh, wow. something like that. Yeah, so a long time. Um, it's been what's a long. Your, how did you get involved in graphic design? Like, what's your personal background? Uh, so I um, I spent you know most of my most of my you know twenties, well actually, and actually I mean it started when I was eighteen. Um, 
just playing in bands and um i mean really i i i dedicated my all my spare time to to being a band so it was in a variety of um of signed and touring bands you know and 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 kind of didn't really do much else other than that i mean basically lived on the dole and I mean, I had a couple of like in one of the bands I was in. I had a, I had a, a like a job as at a restaurant dishwashing, you know, like so had had kind of really. I I I had a little bit of a crack at at varsity, but I think I was, I was too kind of caught up in in partying and um playing, <laughs> playing music to sort of really dedicate myself to it at all. And anyway, I, I sort of mid twenties, I. My partner at the time, I think, had had enough of me and my um, kind of partying ways, and was and sort of just gave me a bit of pressure to, you know, like, hey, wh- why don't you, why don't you think about doing some, you know, some tertiary studies? And um, <laughs> she 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 took me to, she actually drove me to this. Um, I I was what I was planning on doing was going and signing up for film school. Um, so she took me to the. To the building that this film school was in and um i went up and got the all the information for that and then on the way down i decided to stop off there was on the floor below was this um place called design and arts college which um you know uh taught people um i mean back in the day it was it was kind of like multimedia stuff you know like um using director and all these sort of programs that have you know that have been i mean they've they've gone now you know and uh so i signed <laughs> instead of 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 um of film school and um ended up doing three years i think study in um a variety of stuff you know like i was I, I was doing this multimedia thing so it was kind of a combination of we did a little bit of graphic design we did uh a little bit of web design and we did what was yeah like interactive kind of stuff that you know i guess people would put onto cd-roms back in the day i mean this is a long time ago now um, <laughs> it's like it's like you know we're talking probably 25 odd years ago now yeah um, uh, so so yeah, I, I I studied there and um, actually initially wasn't even really focused on. Oh, and the other thing we did that we did was obviously like three D modeling and animation. And um, wow. so, so I initially didn't even wasn't even you know I did a little bit of graphic design as part of that, but wasn't really kind of you know that wasn't my focus. And then I I I spent probably five or six years working in um, motion graphics. So doing, um, you know, editing sort of, you know, shitty cheap TV commercials for local TV and doing music videos for, for my mates' bands. And, and, the, and the whole time I was doing this, I was, I was also playing in, playing in bands. Um, and then I got a job working as an art director for an agency. So at that point, I started switching towards doing, you know, a bit more graphic design and a bit less in the way of video editing and motion graphics. Um, and then from there, moved uh, into doing 
almost solely uh, apparel, like clothing graphics. I worked for a local company in Christchurch called Sorted um, that did, you know, a full range of streetwear, like everything, jeans and, you know, jackets and sweatshirts and T-shirts and all that kind of carry on. And yeah, and then and then from there, I you know I I, I sort of shifted to almost solely doing um, graphic design and illustration. Wow! And uh, have you always been into bikes? How did your connection to the bike world come? I mean, besides the professional connection, have you always been a rider? No, not at all. No. So <laughs> it was it was it was actually really funny. Like I was telling someone about this the other day that there was this sort of point because like all I used to do uh exercise wise um was i i surfed um and so like you know like surf for a lot a lot a lot of years and then i would i would run um to sort of keep fit um but i got to the point where you know like running it just i you know i still kind of enjoy it as a you know, a meditative kind of form of exercise, but it's just, it was just so hard on my, so hard on my body that I just, I couldn't, you know, keep it up basically. Um, and, and, and I was telling someone like Eddie would, Eddie would hit me up with kind of briefs on, you know, like, like bike stuff. And, and I'd be like, God, can you tell which one's the seat stay and which one's the chain stay again? I, I just, <laughs> And he'd be like, so be like oh, dude, you've really got to, man, we really need to get you sort of like a bit more sort of knowledgeable about the bikes. And I was just this holdout. I I, I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to have, I, you know, I don't want another sport. I'm fine. You know, <laughs> running's fine. But, um, for, and, and so funnily enough, like I, when I moved to Vancouver, I, I did, I, I think I went for three mountain bike rides in Vancouver. I, like I, what I would do is, I, like, I still enjoy, I really enjoyed the road riding aspect of it because um, mm. I found parallels between, um, you know, running and 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 sort of long distance kind of riding. Just, yeah. you know, like, but it was obviously far, 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 you know, mellower on the body. And sure. uh, yeah, yeah. And, and I, like, I actually didn't even like mountain biking. Like, I, I I found it awkward and 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 taxing and the climbs. It's so odd to me because there's such a parallel to surfing. I think when you when you at least when you get like great trails and yeah, like I I I just and it's still I still am kicking myself that I didn't actually (laughs) because you know obviously like now oh yeah yeah I come over now and that whole Sea to Sky corridor is just like oh it's just you know, it makes my mouth water just thinking about it. You know, riding there is <laughs> so amazing. And I, I I just didn't, you know, I, I missed out on all of it. And then it wasn't really till I, I came back to New Zealand and, you know, obviously I was on the staff bike program. So I, I was getting these bikes and um, and then, yeah, I started, I started realizing, oh, wait, we've actually got some relatively okay riding locally, you know, and I mean, it's definitely nothing on, you know the stuff in North America, but I mean it's it's. Oh, it's really? See, I figured New Zealand would be like epic. Like, and, well, but but like, again, like my take on New Zealand is literally like Lord of the Rings. You know what I mean? So like, I don't I don't really know. How, but I watch Lord of the Rings and I'm like, I bet there's some shredding riding going on. Oh like, no, I mean behind the scenes, like like and 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 the I mean the riding is definitely on par in general. You know, like if if you look at places like, 
you know, Nelson and Queenstown. And I mean, even even our our stuff that's like a bit more backcountry stuff like is 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 really good you know like it's definitely up there it's high high quality but it's it's more just like if i compare what we can ride locally you know like within a short drive you know like a 10 15 20 minute drive from here versus the dark side on the north shore you know which is is (laughs) just fucking incredible you know like um the, it, it's it's not quite as good so um yeah so i mean i i i just i eventually like at a certain point i was kind of surfing but also riding and then and this i mean the surfing here is just frustratingly average it, it it's you know you've you've really gotta you've gotta be able, you've gotta be prepared to travel if you want to surf in in christchurch uh and and not go mental um because it's just the lo- the local stuff's just a bit average or it's very 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 small and there's you know like three takeoff spots and they're just dominated by you know <laughs> and um and at a certain point i started doing the math and i was like well wait like i can go out for a ride for four hours and i'm fucking loving it the whole time you know i mean even the climbing i like i enjoy and but if i'm surfing you know, I mean, what am I getting? I'm getting, you know, like a handful of rides that are like, you know, <laughs> so know, like seconds long, you know, like what, you yeah. know, and I started doing the math. I was like, wait, this just doesn't make any sense. So like, you know, at that point, I, I, the, the amount I surfed started dwindling and the amount I rode started increasing. And then, I mean, I think for me, when I real, I mean, I like I like I was bitten by the by the mountain biking sort of or the 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 cycling kind of bug at that point. But then what really sort of solidified it for me was when I started trail building as well. And then, um, you know that that that's that's been the thing that's kind of turned me into a like a lifelong, you know, absolute, you know, cyclist. I suppose. Um, What's the what's the scene like where you live are there are people really are people really into it are there a lot of trail building groups and like is access good yeah so i mean we 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 had up until sort of four years ago when the bike park um started there we we had a sort of a scene where there were uh, a whole series of pretty kind of like almost like heritage trails that um have been around for a long time since kind of since the 90s i suppose there was one primary downhill zone called victoria park which also includes a lot of walking trails and that's that's sort of i guess was really where the downhill scene developed in christchurch was in and around that place and i mean that's still that's still in existence now and it's still a great zone particularly good to shuttle um and then out onto the port hills which is 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 not a forested area it's an open kind of area there there are a whole series of like traverse tracks and um a couple of sort of downhill tracks that will drop you down into various seaside suburbs and sort of areas and and then you know that are, I, I mean i guess like suburbs or, or townships you know based around Christchurch 
and then there's another yeah. zone another zone that's kind of more of a, a cross-country zone um further on and then you know when 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 it was sort of like set up like that there was i mean far less in the way of uh local trail building um but there was this one spot that was this kind of like this giant pirate zone um that was a, a, a like a block of forestry land owned by um this uh family called the mcvickers and what that that had sort of become the sort of you know local secret pirate zone that you know you'd, you'd go up and you'd get your fix of lomas and you know scratch lines and and you know i mean people would pretty much go from riding the traverse tracks to sort of starting to ride vic park and a bit more of the downhill stuff and then eventually they'd discover worsley's you know like and you you'd sort of go in there and that's where all your real extreme kind of stuff was and um I, I i started trail building um in in worsley's you know so built a cup built a couple of trails in there and 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 then sort of really discovered my passion for for trail building during that period of time and and also discovered that there was this whole group of people who were in there just sort of like scratching these crazy lines and finding things to jumps over and you know it was this whole community of people and so my you know my riding group really extended out at that point and and that's when I also discovered all the the the, the backcountry stuff in yeah. and around Canterbury um that's you know obviously another level of kind of uh rawness and intensity again um and then uh you know like maybe I don't know four or five years after I'd sort of started trail, but maybe it was a little less. I can't remember. But um, the we we got news that we were getting this bike park, and so um, you know, for the last four years, I've been I, like I like I I sort of met with uh, the people who were building the bike park and managed to negotiate a a, a a sort of a setup there where I would volunteer trail build for them in exchange for lift passes and um, oh rad. I'd sort of help them manage this volunteer program where we, you know, we 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 get these um lo lo locals who are avid about riding and want to build and and help out and um I I sort of manage dig days with with those people and um you know we get to sort of have a bit of a say in what's happening in the park and um you know get to build and ride and. So yeah, it's kind of it's 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 blossomed into this bigger thing now, and I mean now it's insane, like the amount of the amount of new stuff going on. The the we're kind of limited in the amount of we don't we don't have vast tracts of um, you know, forest, and what we've got here is a it, it tends to be kind of smaller blocks of um, uh, forestry you know so planted in rows and it, it's a little bit less natural growth which is you know i mean it's obviously not quite as nice but um yeah so 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 there's it's still concentrated in like well thought out and flowy trails like a lot of the time so i live in new england and like you know there's there's amazing trail building here and yeah. i i personally think like concentrated really well thought out trails can be a lot more fun anyways than just like rambling single track to the forest where you're like who knows what's out here 
Like that can be really yep. rewarding, but it can also be kind of like, oh man, <laughs> still, still carrying my bike over fallen trees. Like, yeah, um, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, the thing, the thing for me particularly, where I, 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 I mean, the 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 kinds of trees we grow here in forestry blocks, it's sort of, it's kind of horrible. It's this awful pinus radiata, which is, I mean, it's sort of effectively like a weed, you know, that gets used for <laughs> chip warden. <laughs> sort of horrible it's just and it, it, it's it's like it kills everything underneath it except for oh, fucking gorse and blackberry and so like it, it has a symbiotic <laughs> relationship with these horrible horrible plants so like you know you always know when you're building you're shattering my lord of the rings illusions now <laughs> well well i mean the thing is like you travel half an hour out of christchurch and you'll find blocks of native bush which is fucking gorgeous you know like i mean that stuff's amazing but just uh the the forestry blocks that we run here you know like none of the wood is particularly usable so it it, it rots really fast so it doesn't have the same you know in north america you guys have all that those beautiful hardwoods that you can kind of actually mill on the side of the track and use yeah. you know with us it's sort of like you, you throw a you throw a couple of big logs into a boom here and in a year's time it, it's just like this puffy rotten crap you know and you so oh, man sort of use it and so yeah i mean there's this there's, 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 there's pluses and minuses i think to that but but i mean ultimately um christchurch is definitely the scene here has developed um you know, but and it's it's not it's not as um it's not as nice. The forest aren't as nice here as say places like Nelson or or Queenstown. But um, you know, I think that we've got a good scene and the bike park has been, you know, really good in expanding the riding scene out, but also the digging scene. Um, right. you know, there's a lot more stuff going on now, which is which is awesome, you know. So, what's your favorite bike? What's your go-to? Um, well, I mean, I'm I, like I'm a bit of a maniac, so I've I, like I, you know, I, I've 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 experimented with the, you know, I I sort of had a bit of a black with the shorter travel, um, one thirty-four, um, yeah, and loved it. Like, you know, it was a great, it's a great bike. And, you know, was that perfect, for, like for me, particularly after not, you know, sort of learning or realizing that I couldn't really, uh, my body couldn't really cope with riding just a hardtail. Um, you know, it was the, the, the perfect sort of in-betweener bike. But I mean, I, just because of the amount of descending I do, um, because my rides tend to center around laps of uh you know like like uplift laps um you know either in the bike park or using the chairlift as a way to get to the pirate networks um and doing multiple multiple descents i mean i i tend to I, i'm 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 sort of like a process x guy so nice. i i had pro, i had a 165 for a bit as a park bike i've i've had an operator um when the bike park first opened and before we had the fires that kind of destroyed half the park um i sort of ran i ran a kind of a combo of uh yeah sort of a a, a 153 and an operator 
um, <clears throat> but now I'm just kind of I'm just rolling with the process X and I'm just I'm kind of at the moment I'm real I'm I'm trying to decide whether to to get a rove um, or possibly look at one of the remotes just just to give this e-biking thing a bit of a go um, but I'll probably <laughs> I, I think I'll probably I think I'll probably get a rove first and just because I still <clears throat> I still really um, you know the, one of the things the lockdowns did was um, made me realize that I I still really enjoy the site this just sort of exploratory riding like going out on a day that like a nice like a sunny day and just yeah. just riding for the sake of riding and yeah. and you know like for me there's nothing it's it's such an amazing mental tonic to be able to you know just a nice gentle climb maybe listening to an audio book or some music or whatever get out onto the hilltops and just you know like you're just in this just at the outdoors and you know beautiful um, vistas everywhere and you know for me that that is such a critical part of my of just keeping sane really you know that um it's so <clears> cathartic <throat> you know oh it's, yeah it's unreal yeah i have i have a sutra limited that i've tricked out with like 1.75 tires so like there's yeah. a lot of pavement here like i can just go on pavement and like I mean, it's not a race bike, but it's fine. But I can also hit, you know, average single track with it. And honestly, yeah. like I tend to lean on that bike almost as much as anything because I can just get out and just go. Like I have two yeah. hours and like, you know, managing my ADHD. I'm like, I'm just going to go, go. And yeah. not have to worry about it. It's it's pretty like, yeah, I think the Rove is, I have a Rove Limited, but I, I just love it. That bike is rad. It can yeah. Do it I mean, it's it's something that recent, you know, because I mean, up until recently, like I've been pretty focused on the on the, you know, ju I mean, just trail riding basically, and and you know, like I'm I I ride with a bunch of dudes who are quite a bit younger than me, so there's sort of this, you know, that I mean, my <laughs> my comfort levels are often being pushed with that stuff, just <laughs> just what we're hitting and 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 the speed and i like i i've had i had a couple of injuries in the last couple of years some from crashes and then some from uh just uh, obsessively trail building myself into the point that i oh, no. got in oh, hospital pretty much but um uh and it's it's really nice sometimes to just be focusing just on riding and not like you know okay well I've, like i've got to the top and the purpose of me getting to the top is so i can like smash this trail <laughs> like, you know, yeah you know i would say I'm, though man so the sutra unlimited like so i have a what is it a 19 sutra limited but i've got it like with the, i've run two inch tires on that and you can yeah. hit some solid downhill single track with that i mean you're not hucking it for sure i wouldn't recommend that yeah. but like yeah. But I think you'd be you'd be pretty surprised. It rides like a hardtail. That bike's a monster. Yeah, well, it was funny because we did this. So I did this one trip. I, I went to Eurobike and then went to we for for the longest time we're doing our photo shoots in uh, the Kona Europe office there. And um, we it was my first experience with actually going out on a gravel bike and doing you know like drop bar trail stuff. 
And oh my God, like we, we were we were doing a, a ride every day at the end of every day. So we'd you know slave away all day. Um, you know I was doing all this sort of bike prep for photos. You know, so a lot of really meticulous cleaning, and you know you're inside, you're listening to music, and it's great. But it's a bunch of it's a bunch of dudes kind of getting grumpy, and you know <laughs> like you you're yeah. working hard, and you sort of you'd wind up at the end of the day, have a big, and aim to have a big feed, but we'd always do this ride. And um, there weren't really, well, we ended up going for one mountain bike ride, but it was pretty minor, but we were doing these gravel rides. And it just, yeah, I mean, it just blew my mind, like how much fun it was to tackle some of this trail that like on a mountain bike would be pretty tame, but like on a, yeah. on a trip bar bike, oh, like it's, it's yeah, totally yeah. different thing and like super 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 fun so yeah i've yeah, been, been trying to sort of get something like that since so yeah I, the gravel bike thing so i was a, a slow adopter to to drop bar bikes like my parents both raced bikes growing up and i've talked about this on here before like my mom still races cyclocross and i think i just associated the like gravel bikes with like cyclocross bikes with like you know yep. my toe is going to hit the front wheel it's going to be real twitchy like and right. then you ride some of the modern ones, like they're so slack. I mean, it's basically a drop bar 29er if you want it to be. Yeah, and yeah. It's so fun. Like, it's just yeah. so sick. Yeah, well, I think Definitely. you sold me on it. I might, I'll let the e bike wait for another. <laughs> well, I'm a convert. I was against e bikes. Like, I was like, yeah. nope, F that. Like, I mean, it's cool if you're old and like you need it to ride, like, and that's what it takes for you to be able to do it. But otherwise, yeah. like, man, we're an obese country. Fucking pedal that thing. And yeah. I got uh, the e-utes, the cargo bikes, and I'm, there's no going back. Those things are so sick. Um, yeah. We can fit 12 grocery bags in those saddle bags, and I'm just like, oh. dude, this is killer. It's yeah. so good. No, no, I mean, and I mean, you know, my buddies, like, I've got a, I've got a bunch of buddies. Some of them are, some who are older than me, and some. You know, there's a surprisingly big number of younger guys that I know who are into it as well. And I mean, the thing that they've said is, you know, they'll they'll go out for a ride here. And like, so if 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 the bike park's shut and you can only do, you know, I mean, here you can probably do two, maybe three climbs and descents. You know, it's it's around 500 meters. It's not like a huge, but but we don't have any good climbing trails here. And the one thing these guys have said is, you know, you still get exercise. Like it's not, it's not like it's it's not like a motorbike or something. You know, it's not like an easy climb. It's yeah, it, especially it, the Kona it, ones that don't have like the throttle. Like some some brands have like a throttle where you don't have to pedal. And I'm like, that's that's nonsense. <laughs> yeah, right. Now you're on yeah. a moped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. but I mean, some of these guys have just gone from, you know, like if you if you look at Victoria Park, I mean, you could. I'd probably on a good day would do, I don't know, maybe two, maybe three climbs in there. And, and, but man, your legs are cramping and you're really suffering afterwards. And you, you only feel like you barely get enough descending uh, doing that. And these guys, you know, will, will be able to do six or seven laps in Vic Park. And it's kind of like, and I mean, they're, they're wrecked at the end of it, you know? And so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely still open to the idea of. I mean, I, I think eventually I'll 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 get an e-bike, and it's not like I'll I'll ride it solely, but that'll be helpful for trail building and um and for days sure, with, for that. Yeah. yeah, 
hauling gear and um like i said yeah the eu is is amazing so i've never really thought of myself as a cargo bike guy i remember yeah. riding one in like the late 90s and just like being like fuck this wheelbase like i can't do this yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna die but uh but no it's, it's amazing and now i think my fear with with the e-bikes is like you hear these stories of people who like get a full suspension e-bike but like have no mountain biking skills and just like go 40 miles out into the backcountry and then have this like 50 pound bike to get home and don't know what to do with it. But I, I yeah. think we've transcended that, like the technology and the weight of the bikes and like the bikes can be ridden with no battery power just fine now. Anyway, so last question for you. I've kept yeah. you long enough here. Um, you mentioned that you played music. Do you still play music and what do you play? Yeah, so I mean, I've I've been a I've been a musician. Uh, so, I mean, it's a, it's it's a long time now, actually. That um, you know, like my my parents got me, or well, I, you know, I requested for a birthday when I was fifteen, um, uh, an electric guitar and an amplifier, and um, and you know, back then I was kind of I was into punk music, and um, I you know, like I. I didn't really take any guitar lessons seriously. I, I, I tended to just sort of thrash out, you know, single string kind of punk songs. And I sort of knew like from early on that I was definitely more of a, you know, like more of a, a make your own music guy as opposed to sort of, you know, learning tons of like intricate technique and, um, you know, so I, so I sort of tended to be a bit shit at, picking up the um <laughs> the, the the theory side of things and 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 moved pretty much from barely being able to play into my first kind of band when I was about 18 um and then just went from one band to another to another to another um right through until I was around 30 30 odd when I had my son um and um during that time I mean I sort of I ended up in two sort of relatively big kind of bands new and uh you know in terms of New Zealand um that were you know we both those bands were signed and did release you know had released music and toured extensively around the country and you know like we played with all sorts of the international bands back in the day and um so I was I was taking you know back then I was definitely taking it really really seriously and you know uh it, it took up a lot of my time and um and then when the second kind of signed band that I was in um split up uh I I had a sort of a hiatus from music for about I don't know five or six years and in that time I did a little bit of stuff I I I played in this band called Supercharger where we would take kind of terrible old sort of songs from the 80s, like old sort of synth pop hits and played them kind of like heavy and sort of like punk versions of like Billy Idol songs. And, you know, it's that, like me first in the Gimme Gimme's, but better. <laughs> yeah, like, like, yeah. Sort of like that, but a little bit, yeah, sort of less exclusively punk versions of songs you know so kind of heavy stuff but yeah that same kind of idea That's and right. um and then about 
uh, oof, shit, it's actually quite a few years ago now, but like about six or seven years ago, one of the guys that played bass in one of the bands I was in kind of eventually he twisted my arm and um and and he he had written a whole bunch of stoner rock songs and wanted to kind of create this um this band you know um with with a bunch of guys that we knew doing sort of yeah I mean back then it was pretty traditional sort of stoner rock stuff you know blues bass kind of heavy sludgy kind of stuff that you know um i like it already yeah and and so <laughs> that that band was called thunderwolf and 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 thunderwolf i was doing a bit of kind of back and forth like playing playing some guitar some bass uh and and singing um and then we it was about i guess the three or two or three year mark um don who's the guy who got me into you know just, just twisted my arm to get me to play um he 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 ended up getting um uh cancer and um he passed away sort of oh, about six i suppose six months after after his diagnosis of of cancer and um so we sort of um we 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 really agonized over whether or not we should sort of carry on at that point because you know don and i had been the sort of the creative force behind the band like we would sort of tag team on writing songs and um you know most of our set tended to be kind of versions that, like, like um, songs that either one of us had completely written or we'd sort of you know bounced off one another and so like I might have written the chorus for a song that he had written the verse for and so I sort of it was a it was a bit tricky because I wasn't sure whether or not we'd still be able to kind of write music as a three piece. Um, yeah. But um, we 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 sort of gave it a nudge and it actually was pretty good. You know, like it it, it worked really well as a three piece. So we just at that point I I went on permanently onto the bass um, and vocals. Um, but I'm I was using this kind of like a. a poly octave generator thing like a splitter that would give me a, a signal that was one octave higher and you know so the the bass kind of had a, a sort of a guitar-y sort of type of sound that that backed up our actual guitar so ran that for uh, I don't know like three or four years and you know did a little bit of music and played a whole bunch of shows locally and um and then we we sort of um wound that down uh, at the end of last year, um, decided that, you know, like it had, it had sort of run its course. And and um, basically what I've been doing since then is like a complete change of tack, which is I, I've started, um, you know, I sort of got into um, creating demos for Thunderwolf um, using GarageBand and then eventually moved on to Logic and what i've ended up doing is basically producing kind of i, I guess it's kind of like dark sort of twisted electronica um mm. uh, um
talking shit about a pretty sunset Blanket and opinions that I'll probably regret soon Changed my mind so much I can't even trust it My mind changed me so much I can't even trust myself